early on, I learned the way that you interact with people, the way that you motivate the people around you. It, it's critical to figure out how that works and how to do that if you are going to be successful. Excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality. These are the values the Sam M. Walton College of Business explores in education, business, and the lives of people we meet every day. I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Walton College, and welcome to the Be Epic podcast. I have with me today Becky Lumley, Chief Financial Officer at Front Range Capital Partners. Becky, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. So, uh, Becky, I know you got your um, undergraduate degree in accounting and your master's in accounting from uh, the Walton College, um, right after it became called the Walton College. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you um, you started in public accounting with, um, you were an auditor with uh, mm-hmm. Arthur Anderson, KPMG, um, and the Denver area. So I, one question I have for you is, uh, I know you live in Denver now, did you, did you go to Denver? Are you from, where are you from originally? I was born in Mountain Home, Arkansas, oh, actually. Nice so, yep. Yeah, so born and raised in Arkansas and, you know, it, it really is a testament to the Walton College, um, you know, going through the accounting program and then ultimately the master's. I, I got my master's in accounting there all of the schools really tied into all of the big, you know, multinational public accounting firms. At that time, it was the big five. (laughs) So, um, and, you know, so I was recruited um, and connected to these firms through the Walton College, which was great. Um, Obviously, a lot of recruiting out of Little Rock and Dallas, um, which I considered Dallas as well. Uh, But at the time, my mother had moved to Arizona. I had family in Arizona. So when I wrapped up my undergraduate degree, um, I decided to do an internship or I applied for an internship at Arthur Anderson in Phoenix. So I spent six months in that office um, and then decided to go back to um, the University of Arkansas to get my master's in accountancy. And then you know, through that process said, you know, where do I really want to go after school? And, and I had visited Denver only one time, but I thought it was a great place. And, um, I said, I'd love to go to the Denver office. So I was able to join Arthur Anderson in the Denver office, um, at that time, which was in 2000. You went in to, uh, work in the, um, hospitality industry after public accounting. Did you move to Vail after that, or did you stay in Denver? I stayed in Denver, um, but I did join Vail Resorts. Um, They were an audit client of mine at Anderson. Um, And during my time at Anderson, you know, sadly, the company closed their doors. Um, You know, that was in during the you know, Enron scandal. So 
the audit practice in Denver was assumed by KPMG. So that that's how I ended up at KPMG for a short time in their audit division. Um, still had Vail Resorts as a audit client and ended up being hired, you know, by Vail um, in, you know, a, a few years later. You know, that was the time when Vail Resorts was looking to grow their hospitality division. Obviously, their ski resort division was kind of the bread and butter of the company. Um, you know, they were looking to really define the hotel division and and grow it and, you know, kind of grow it into something that could be more meaningful. The headquarters were then moved from the mountains of Colorado into a suburb of Denver called Broomfield, Colorado, and that's where Vail Resorts headquarters still resides today. Um, and so ultimately, I moved from Denver and an office up there in in Broomfield. And I was with Vail for, for about nine years. And that did really start, you know, kind of what I call my hospitality journey. So kind of out of public accounting into hospitality, into the world of hotels. Then after that, you became chief financial officer of Belmont Cap Jaluka. I don't know if I pronounced that right. You did. Yes. Cap Jaluka. And it is, Cap Jaluka is... You know, if you know the Caribbean at all, it is a very kind of prestigious luxury resort on the island of Anguilla in the um, British West Indies. So I had been with Vail Resorts for eight and a half, nine years, and, you know, thinking about what's next. I was young. I knew that I, you know, as much as I loved Vail and I had learned so much and you know, really grew as a leader during my time there. I knew I wasn't going to retire there. So I needed to, you know, kind of find my next, um, you know, my next step. And I had the opportunity to join, you know, to move to this island uh, with my husband and 18-month-old daughter at, at that time um, to to be the CFO of, of the resort called Cap Jaluka. Um, but it wasn't only just kind of operating the resort, we, you know, looked at it as a really a real estate development project. We, um, you know, entitled land adjacent to the resort that was operating and then started to develop um, additional properties, condos um, that would be operated as part of the resort. The, the project itself was fascinating. The resort was beautiful, but then also just navigating, living on an island um, <laughs> and learning all that comes with that. Um, it, it was just, it, it was a great, a great experience. Well, I'm going to skip a couple of your uh, adventures. Uh, one with Two Roads Hospitality, where you were Senior Vice President of Finance for many years and also... Hyatt Hotels, where you were vice president of finance, um, and go to your current uh, role, which you've been in for mm -hmm. almost four years, as chief financial officer of Front Range Capital Partners. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that firm? Absolutely. Um, so Front Range is a real estate private equity firm 
specializing in growth capital and property investments in partnership with other op real estate operating partners. So we really look for, you know, um, companies that are developing properties that have a, a great track record. So really partnering with these other real estate operating companies. Historically, our investments have been focused in multifamily residential, but we also have investments across the real estate industry, self-storage, student housing, hospitality. Uh, we look at industrial properties. So we really have diversified the type of real estate that we invest in. But like I said, historically, it's been mainly multifamily focused. The firm was founded in 2010. Um, and as you said, Matt, I joined in it, almost four years ago now, just before COVID actually in January of 2020. Um, but since the time the firm was founded back in, in 2010, we have committed, you know, more than 1 billion of equity capital to investments across the U.S. So we do focus on the U.S., solely in the U.S., um, but it's, it, you know, highly successful firm. And I joined, you know, at, a, at an interesting time. Like I said, it was just before COVID. It was in early 2020. And for me personally, it was a little bit of a pivot in my career. I had been in the hospitality business for roughly 18 years after coming out of public accounting. And, you know, but hospitality is real estate also. So I was very familiar with, you know, developing hotels, um, operating hotels, interacting with institutional owners of hotels, and kind of all of the, the sides of real estate. For me, Front Range Capital was an opportunity to, you know, really come to the the other side, which is focused more on on the in, investing, you know, finding great assets, um, investing in assets or developing great assets, um, and then operating them in a successful way, ultimately with, you know, a goal of, um, you know, Im improving the value and and generating returns for for the investors. So it it's kind of I switched from more the op you know focused on the operating side of real estate to more the investing and and the capital side, if you will. You know, Front Range. The other interesting part about Front Range is that we are uh, registered with the SEC, uh, so we're a registered investment advisor, um, which in you know finance accounting legal, um, you know, that adds many layers in terms of compliance and, and regulation, um, which to me is is an interesting part of our business. Um, but that that was a, a new, you know, a, a new area for me to learn and, um, you know, kind of dig into, which which is great. Becky, how many funds do you have so far? Have you gone through at Front Range Capital? So we have um, launched what I would call four primary funds, one of which 
has been liquidated and round tripped for our investors. But we also, you know, today are still investing um, and still have still have capital invested in three kind of primary funds. But we also have several uh, what we call co-invests, which you're probably familiar uh, with, Matt, where, you know, they're they're vehicles that are offshoots of a primary fund that typically invest in one asset versus a fund which invests in many, many assets um, or has many investments. So I would say, you know, three primary funds active today uh, with several co-invests as well. So just to be clear, when you said liquidated, that means that the assets were sold from the fund. And you also said round-tripped for our investors. Could you explain that? Yes. Um, so what I mean by that is really the the cycle of capital. So at the beginning of the fund, investors will commit, you know, a, a certain amount of dollars to the fund that we then invest on their behalf. We increase the value of those dollars through our real estate investments, um, and then towards the end of the fund, towards the end of the life of the fund we liquidate the assets and then return capital plus profit to the investors. So when I say round trip, it's the really talking about the capital itself. In terms of how you structure returning the capital, returning the re- results to the to the investors, do you use a an American waterfall or a European waterfall? Great question. We we do both. So it really depends on, on the fund. Most frequently, we're doing the American-style waterfall, and that's what we're, we're looking at for current funds or, you know, current to-be-launched funds. So I would say American is more common, but we have have done both. My understanding is that the American waterfall, just for list students that might be listening, is that um, you you use your uh, you apply the numbers for the returns to each real estate investment, at, and instead of just applying it to all of them that that are um, liquidated at the end. That's right. So in an American style waterfall. That really allows the general partner or the sponsor, so this would be Front Range Capital in in this case, the ability to returns as each individual investment is monetized versus a European-style waterfall, you're looking at the returns in total for the fund. So usually in a fund structure, there is a preferred return that LPs receive before the general partner. LPs stand for limited partners. They're the investors that don't have a say in how the investments go. Yes. And then after that preferred return hurdle is achieved, the general partner starts sharing in the economics or receives what we call a promote or a carried interest which is really the general partner's profit. 
So an American-style waterfall says, as each individual investment is achieved, if there's if the LP preferred return hurdle is achieved just for that investment, then the GP can participate and and receive their share of the promote associated with that individual investment. European is where you have to look at it. So in total for all the capital that an LP has put in, they're not going to achieve that preferred return until later in the fund's life because you're looking at the, you know, in, in totality. So in that case, the GP shares later in the fund's life. But really, the way I think about it is, at the end of the day, at least in our structures, the general partner, you know, the dollars are the same. It really allows flexibility for the general partner to receive part of the profit along the way versus waiting until the end. But the preferred return is still the preferred return. So we are, you know, obligated and, you know, focused on making sure our limited partners are achieving that preferred return in total anyway. So although you have a lot of experience in real estate prior to this, going into private equity, there, there was a lot to learn, I would imagine. I mean, you, they, there's a lot of idiosyncrasies like the private placement memorandum and the mm-hmm. limited partner agreement and really just the things you were talking about right now. Yeah. Did you did you see that from the other side? Uh, I did. I did somewhat, um, and it really depended on. So, so in hospitality, at least my experience in hospitality, you know, we were operating. I was more, like I said, on the operating side. So, we were, you know, managing the day to day of a portfolio of hotels, and largely the the owners of the hotels were were different. You know, every hotel had a different owner. And like I said, a lot of those owners were, you know, institutional, public REITs, private REITs, private equity. So my exposure to private equity was kind of on the other side of the table. But I definitely, you know, got, you know, the the flavor, if you will, on how an owner... (laughs) looked at the investment and what they expected and how they thought about the, you know, the value and kind of all of those things. So it was a little bit through osmosis, I would say, um, again, on the other side of the table. So that's, that's another reason why I was really attracted to this role is just to learn the flip side and really look at it from an owner an owner lens and owner perspective and really seeing kind of the full cycle of of capital. You know, Becky, your your um, career path is is really interesting, um, and I think it's good for students to see because you really never know where these paths are going to take. But it, it it's it's um it shows the benefit of performing well along the way because it keeps opening new opportunities and whatever you learn, even though you you hadn't worked in private equity, you had worked with investors, so you learned about what they were interested in, which certainly helped uh, when you did go in uh, to private equity. 
And I, I would say that, um, I mean, accounting, and I, I talk to, you know, people that were recruiting, were, were recruiting all levels of accounting. I mean, it, it's a small team here at Front Range Capital, but, you know, we're kind of constantly recruiting. That's part of our job and networking. And I talk to young people all the time about the benefits of accounting. And it sounds, you know, somebody who in finance or you know, MBA, which I think is a great path also, um, but just different career paths out there and different people. I explain that, you know, accounting can really open up a lot of doors, especially if you go, if you go into public accounting. So I was able, you know, I got exposure to tech. I got exposure to oil and gas, hospitality, aerospace, you know, so it really gives you a chance to experience a lot of different things so if you embrace that and and you know maybe something you know one industry really calls your name or you know you find it exciting or interesting the the fact that you can get exposed to so many different industries out there is is a really great way to start your career so becky you started your career as an auditor and you've you're now uh, chief financial officer, and in your role as chief financial officer and other roles you've had along the way, but particularly now, especially in a smaller firm, you have to bear a lot of the leadership role of the firm. If you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your ro- your uh, journey growing as a leader and some of your perspectives on leadership. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I I think leadership and connecting with people is critical, right, to growing in your career. It's really critical to having a successful life in general, I think. But I would say early on, I, I learned that the way that you interact with people, the way that you connect with people, the way that you motivate the people around you, and which all is kind of all-encompassing leadership, um, the way that you, you know, it, it's critical to figure out how that works and how to do that if you are going to be successful in life and in business. And I think it's such a critical part of um, an organization's success. And I've had the opportunity to work at very large companies and smaller companies. And I can tell you that this concept of leadership and connecting with others and motivating people and making sure that everybody around you feels connected to the company's mission, per se, is is crucial. Again, large or small company. Um so I think, you know, that's been important to me over time. And, um, you know, it's something that I have found to to be kind of critical to my success. Um, you know, I think when I look back at kind of the most successful parts in my career and the organizations I've been with, the first thing that comes to mind is the team that I was a part of. 
Um, so I think um, it's just something that is is critical and, you know, and that should be a focus really in any organization. Becky, you've had a very successful career. Um, I would love to know, you know, we always encourage students to be lifelong learners. Don't just quit learning when you finish school. Keep learning. There's so much to learn. And books are a great way to learn from others. What are some books that have really spoken to you and helped you? I could not agree with you more, Matt. I think, um, you know, especially out of school, I still love to read. But there was a point in my earlier career where I, you know, kind of hit all of the, you know, famous leadership books out there. Um, and, you know, I really wanted to focus on being a good leader. As I said earlier, I just, you know, it resonated with me early on that, and that's probably because I had great leaders and and mentors around me. So I wanted to emulate that. And I wanted to also be a great leader and support those around me. So in my pursuit of that, I, I looked for, you know, books and, and mentor opportunities. Uh, a few books that come to mind, um, all of which I'm sure you've heard of. I'm sure you've read them, um, but they're, they really are timeless. And I would recommend that even new, you know, new graduates look at these books and, and consider re- reading them. But I mean, you have the seven habits, highly effective oh, people, great. Stephen Covey, um, and now that, that's one that I've reread. So that one does not go out of style, if you will. Which, um, which so great of, lessons. That is great such a there. great book. I, I agree with you. And I've read yeah. it twice as well. Um, yeah. I'm curious, and if you don't have one, that's fine. But is there a particular habit that really stood out to you and helped you? I think the one that's helped me the most um, is really start with the end in mind. And it's interesting when you think about that in the context of accounting. Um, I you I don't talk about it specifically in that way, but accounting is a very you know can can be a very detailed, you know, uh, you're in the transactions, you're in you know in a very detailed, you're looking at things in a very detailed way. Um, but sometimes you can get bogged down by doing that. And it's really important for everybody, I mean, including accounting teams everywhere, including parents, including graduates, um, you know, to really focus on the goals to the extent that you can and figure out what you're trying to solve for and where you're trying to be and then work backwards from there. Um, or at least have that in mind as you're working working toward it. That has uh, st- stood out to me and helped me, especially if you've got something that has a lot of equivocality and uncertainty that you're dealing with. Right. You know, you might change what the end is and be fine with it, but I think starting somewhere helps you mm-hmm. order the discussion, order the questions, et cetera, et cetera. Becky, what uh, message or advice do you have for either, you know, freshmen, 
seniors, students have just graduated, alumni. What mm -hmm. message would you like to share with them? I would say, you know, keep an open mind. Uh, you know, you can hear from my career journey that there have been twists and turns. I, I would never have predicted, you know, where I would be today 23 years ago when I graduated uh, from the Walton College. Um, I was focused on being successful and I knew that was my goal and I wanted to have a very fulfilling career. Um, but it's hard to really say what that's going to look like. So have an open mind, um, you know, work hard and really soak up everything that you can because really everything and every role, even if at the time it doesn't seem like the most fulfilling role or, you know, the, you know, it's not making you extremely happy in the moment, there's always something to learn and, and where you want to go. Well, Becky, thank you so much for taking time to visit with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it, too. On behalf of the Sam M. Walton College of Business, I want to thank everyone for spending time with us for another engaging conversation. You can subscribe by going to your favorite podcast service and searching Be Epic, B-E-E-P-I-C. -E